Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast number 90. We're back again. My name's Dan, and I'm here with Michael. Hello. And Moscow. Hello there. Still no Oddie. We've basically just sort of set him off into the wild now, and he's going to sort of come and go as he pleases. We are hoping to set up like a missing persons helpline, so that if anybody spots him, they can phone us and, and report sightings. But we'll have more on that, possibly on Twitter, because we can't make it work. Yes, we're looking to set up a phone line. More details on it as we actually get it to work. You'll be able to ring us and leave us messages, uh, support, abuse. You want you want sexy chat? We can do that. We can do sexy chat. Can we charge for that? Moscow's uh, kind enough to voice a sex chat line in um, the voice of Neil Warnock. <laughs> it's going to be quite a lot of slow arousal. You're conflating two terrible people when you say that. Neil Warnock and Ken Bates on the same phone line. What a sexy pair. Uh, Magazine-wise, we're on to issue 9 of 10 for the season. We've got some lovely content in that. Drawings especially. Some very, very good illustrators have have joined the the family. And that's available right now on the squareball.net. We'll give you more details about what's inside towards the end of the podcast. White watching. Four games to look back on in this section then. Um, There's the Fulham victory. 3-0 away at Craven Cottage. Blackpool draw. Then the madness descended. Then we've got uh, Blackburn at home where we lost 3-0 and Wolves, the televised game that was on on Monday. So pick apart these four games. Do you think, reckon it's very much uh, a sequence of two halves? Well, the, the big risk going into this sequence was that having rejuvenated, restored and resurrected the Square Ball podcast, that we would then go and lose horribly to Fulham. It would be all our fault. We resisted that, won 3-0 and I think we can take all the credit for that. Yeah, I don't see why not. What happened at Blackpool was after that one. So Irrelevant. It doesn't really, that doesn't count. Does they it? were on their own at that point. Although I am a fervent supporter of Leeds United Football Club, there are occasions when, for example, when they draw at Blackpool, you just have to go, you're on your own here, lads. Nothing to do with us. Overall, in Fulham, not a good night for our ex strikers. They were really trying as well. The, <laughs> the stats overall, the total shots for Leeds United is eight which is probably reasonable in a normal game. It's not Hockaday managed in his entire stint. <laughs> Fulham had 27. Um, and I would a lot of those were, certainly in the first half, McCormack was just chipping it straight at Smith's head. 
and they were both getting more and more frustrated by how brilliant Marco Silvestri was and how Matt Smith had one of those nights where you could tell he just was not going to score. And he, in typical fashion, responded quite gently, just annoyed with himself. Ross damn, Mc- damn it, I'm a little bit annoyed. Exactly. Uh, Ross McCormack, on the other hand, I think Fulham are now up on an FA charge, m- mainly because of the way McCormack reacted to their player Staflidis, I think he's called, being sent off, which is one of the most exciting um, displays of dissent I've <laughs> ever seen. Um, do you, did you see it? I did. Did you enjoy it as much as I did? And I like Ross McCormack. I forgot. It was nice when he used to get angry, though. I used to quite enjoy it, particularly when it was it was directed at Neil Warnock when he shouted fuck off at him, basically. Yes. It was, was a bit like that, but towards a linesman. That was pretty much the last thing that happened in Neil Warnock's time at Leeds United was him bringing on Ross McCormack as substitute. McCormack scored a, scored a free kick, ran to the cop, and as he did, turned around and went, fuck off, <laughs> with a gesture as well, leaving no doubt... And yeah, he pretty much did the same to the referee and linesman. What I liked was he came... I think it's Scott Park, Parker's getting in the referee's face. Who's so, who? Uh, England's uh, Scotty delight. Parker. Oh, Scott, Scotty Parker. Right, Scotty, Scotty, Scotty Parker. Scotty <laughs> Parker. <laughs> um, was right in the referee's face, um, telling him about... Uh, I think he was giving him a, a, a discourse on beef eaters. And then suddenly Ross McCormack comes raging in from nowhere... And like a little Tasmanian devil is shouting at everybody when he realises he's not getting anywhere with the referee you see him just go out a shot in the direction of the linesman and he ends up when it goes to a winder angle he ends up walking away shouting at himself and like throwing his hand in the air he's like, fuck this fuck that fuck everything and uh, and then he uh, injured his knee he was a red card as well oh it was hilarious just, he just kept card. trying to kick him yeah he wasn't happy with having done it once, tw- did him about three or four goes before he actually managed to knock him over. Red yeah. mist, red card. Well, he booked twice in a minute as well. That was the beautiful thing. It was one of those one of those nights for even Barardi from the, the opposite side of the pitch was probably shaking his head. <laughs> this guy needs to calm down. <laughs> it was a Sam Byram header from a Barardi cross. It, it was Bamba with the second, and then it was Antonucci's miss hit shot for the third. And it, it was just... great to see the crowd on that behind the goal because everyone goes, "Oh, oh." He seems to have gone in. In terms of the goals, Byram, Bamba and then Antonucci. How little did we know at that time what was going on? No wonder he celebrated. And apparently he's on quite a big uh, a big goal bonus, isn't he? Very low basic and high goal bonus. And obviously mm. his whole contract is pinned to it. So he probably could afford to feed his family and pay his rent after he scored this goal. Or maybe it was just like afford a visit to them. <laughs> if, the, if his basic pay is that low. He's being kept in a foreign country. Oh, well, maybe I can afford the, the Skype credit to uh, to do a, a video call. Um, Some time in an internet cafe, perhaps, so I can speak to my family. <laughs> Tag along with Adrian. <laughs> um, on to Blackpool. Um, no, do we have to? Yeah, the following Saturday, there's probably no redeeming features in this game, all, all in all. The cliche is to be disparaging about Blackpool's pitch. I think it's probably more accurate to be disparaging about Blackpool's absolutely everything because not only can they not keep a pitch in good condition they can't even get their own fans to a game they'd rather go and watch another team they can't keep Leeds fans out of the home end once they've they can't keep people from fighting in the stands they can't hold on to a lead they can get a point from Leeds United but they are the ones who still have to be managed by Lee Clark to be fair to the fans not turning up, it's for a good reason. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I fully support them. Would you want to go and give your money to the Oystons while you watch Gary Medine? He's, he is the guy who um, went to... Did he go to prison? 
for a while. We probably Indeed. better check that for legal reasons. Yeah, he went to prison. He killed a man. Uh, I remember it. Bare hands, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I'm sure he was the. Didn't he punch someone in a pub toilet? Gary Murderer Medine. Oh God, I hope this is true. Here we go. Criminal convictions. Yes. <laughs> Medine convicted of several assaults. Um, in November 2010, he was found guilty of causing actual bodily harm after attacking a man in a pub told, and yeah. sentenced to community service. He was also, um, and in October 2013, he was jailed for 18 months after being found guilty of causing actual bodily harm and grievous bodily harm in two separate attacks. You know, his, his nickname's got to be Mad Dog, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, I think Gary it, Mad Dog Medine. It's funny when you think about Blackpool's team with Niall Ranger, who has now gone missing from there as well, is that they almost feel like a prison team rather than <laughs> like a professional football team. It's just ex-cons. It well, has been suggested that Blackpool is the UK's biggest open prison. And Niall Ranger absconded. <laughs> he did. He just went missing before Christmas and Lee Clark was doing interviews saying, well, I don't know where he is. He's not, he's not turned up for training. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to fit him into my system. Um, I couldn't get to the bottom of what's actually happened to Nile Ranger. The last words was, well, he's not coming in for training and we're finding him for every day that he misses. <laughs> so he's, he's effectively gone, but they're still just finding him for not turning up every day. Which, and, which seems fair. Yeah, and I don't know how that ever ends. Like, I can't imagine he had a long-term contract, but it's something like... 15 years down the line when Alex Mowat is taken over as manager of Blackpool <laughs> and uh, a robotic Owen Oyston is explaining to him how the club works and he's like, well, here is where we have, where we keep the uh, the mummified body of Lee Clark and then this is the uh, the running total of fines currently stacked up against Niall Ranger. Um, you'll see it's roughly equivalent to the, uh, the economy of a third world country. He'll pay one day. I think now Ranger uh, died in a car accident Gary five Medine years ago. Killed him, probably. Well, it's the future, so you're not libeling him. You're just saying that he might possibly in the future. He's got it in him. <laughs> should we stop now? Given it, actually, given he has certain type of assault, I should probably stop insulting him <laughs> because he will find you and he will kill you. In other news, it was another goal for Antonucci. Oh, he's getting closer. Yeah, another. Um, it was. Well, this was hyped up as being a good finish, but really, when a ball bounces in front of you and you've got time to then lob it over a goalkeeper, I'm saying that the defending, not too hot. Not to say anything mean about Darren O'Day, but I'm just saying that perhaps he could have been under a bit more pressure as he slowly lofted the ball into the back of the net. Well, then, suddenly, it all went a bit wrong, didn't it? Steve Thompson, which we will come on to, no longer in his post. People got a bit angry. Mm. And then we played Blackburn at home. Rudy Austin was fuming. Yes. He damn near killed a man. Yeah, if, if Gary Medine did eighteen, well, did five months of an 18-month sentence, what does society do with Rudolph Austin after this shocker? So the replays in the end showed that... Uh, he raised his hands... Well, we have to take it back to to where he was elbowed in the face mm. in front of the linesman who gave nothing. And then he did raise his hands. He did. If you were being uncharitable, you would say he punched a man in the throat. <laughs> if you were being charitable, you say he gave him a, a, a shove under provocation. Game's um, gone soft. Yellow card each, at most. Or a talking to. Is that is it now a yellow card for getting punched in the throat? <laughs> Well, he was—he'd already elbowed him. In That's the, the sort of rule Pollins used to have in Italy. He used to just get people used to kick him, and then Pollins to get booked. It was great. I think the problem with this was so much of it was just given by the linesman. Every decision the referee would kind of go, "Well, I don't really know what happened there. I better go and have a word with the linesman." The linesman, you're never going to believe what happened. 
Yeah, took out a knife. You know what Gary Medine did back in 2000? Worse. And then he said, well, I mean, if it was that shocking, I'd better send him off. Um, what are your thoughts then on how the Thompson thing, how much of a bearing did it have on this result? Or was it all down to the sending off? We were doing all right until sending off. We were doing all right until they scored, really. Yeah, the, the sequence of events is Thompson being sacked, Leeds kicking off in a football match. Never a good sign. Rudy Austin sending off. And then after the first goal, um, Redders immediately went to 3-5-2. Took off Berardi and Wharton, brought on Cooper, and then Cooper, Belushki and Bamba just... Let's just say that I don't have a lot of confidence in them as a back three. Because they were fucking rubbish. <laughs> I mean, Bamba, I'll kind of leave out of this because he's generally been solid, but Cooper and Belushi have both shown themselves individually to be disastrous at mm. times. And as a pairing... In a back three, it was the it brought out the worst in both of them. Belushki also is kind of implicated in some of what has gone on with the rumored splits between English players and Italian players, and it is telling that at the next game at Wolves, he apparently had a some sort of thigh injury that uh, meant he wasn't even in the squad at all. Whereas I think Steve Morrison's absence from the squad was explained by just the fact that he was an absolute shit house in this game <laughs> yet again. Um, <laughs> Like, I mean, for for a terrible player, it was just worse than. I think. Than, I think Redfern is punishing him. I think he knows he's crap. He knows he doesn't want to be here, and as a result, he's just putting him out there every week. Total shots in this game. Well, can I guess? Go on. Zero. Two. On target, none. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, possession overall, three point. He had three point four percent of possession. Well, who scored dot com? I think are being kind internet of fairy tale uh, peddlers. Ariel's won five, but what happened with any of them? Nothing. He was an absolute disaster in this match, and I hate him. Yep. No, I, I, I go along with that. To be honest, we can actually pull up his heat map. I'm on it. He kind of drifts around the centre spot. How do you get it without? Mainly. I think his, all the his heat map, in fact, suggests that majority of what he's done is kick off. that is what you would take from that he's had 34 touches and well at least four of them are going to have been in the centre circle so I think that's where that's that's coming from that's one of the most aggravating things about um, Steve Morrison not going in the penalty box ever that's and he's a striker it takes time to get there though not that long he's so slow not ever (laughs) infinite time is too much time to be able to get in the box he should be able to get there within a reasonable time he needs to reevaluate his physicality of Morrison I mean he's, he's lost his pace so he needs to become a massive unit of a thing like John Parkin he needs to fuck off <laughs> just start binge eating yeah because at the moment he's not particularly strong or anything he could turn himself into Akin Fenwa or someone like that someone, <laughs> of these, at least, someone who's at least got a freak presence that no one quite knows what to do with because at the moment he just looks like a middle aged man who should have been on a bike ride or something but he's instead been dropped onto a football pitch so you're suggesting a, a diet of overeating yeah Get him fat and with For a bit a of professional luck, football, his man. arteries might clog and he might expire before the end of his contract. <laughs> anyway. Was, oh, it's hard work paying him, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, especially with the amount of money he's making. I mean, given the apparently crap contract offers we're making to, to our young players, it must be hard to be a, a, one of the most talented youngsters in the division and be offered five grand a week. When Steve Morrison's on twenty, if you yeah, if you think and about Antonucci it. scored twelve goals. This year. People, well, no, we don't want him to score twelve. Is that right? Yeah. He scored ten. We don't want him to score twelve. He scored ten goals. 
He's on, what is he on Threpen take me? Yeah, Steve Morrison, zero goals. The, I mean, not scored since 2013. <laughs> there have been attempts to be charitable about Steve Morrison's contribution this season, like renaming him the Shift because of the shift he allegedly... I think his, his name has been renamed Hashtag The Shift. Yes. But some people do like to say, you know, he works hard, he's good he defensively. Doesn't, he doesn't work hard. And then put it all in the context that if you put uh, the wages together of Mowat, Cook, <laughs> Taylor, name me another young player, not Byron, because I think he's got a bit more... Freddie Adu. A Leeds player. We've not signed Rob Fred. Bowman. <laughs> What's happening to you two? If Scott we Tom. All right, well, name me a good one. All right, we'll just take those three. Cook, Mowat and Taylor are probably between them not making what Steve Morrison makes in a week. So imagine if we didn't have Steve Morrison being useless up front, we could have three more like those. Is it as simple as that? Yes, that's how easy it is. Well, on, listen, on that tip, let's move on to Wolves because um, we've got Calvin Phillips making his debut there, haven't we? And imagine what he makes in comparison to Steve Morrison. Steve Morrison could probably buy Calvin Phillips <laughs> like 10 times over. <laughs> what did you make of his debut then? He did all right, didn't he? Yeah, good did Harry, okay. Good Harry in for the first goal for, uh, for yes, Taylor. Yes, he did. One of the most ludicrous clearances I've ever seen from uh, Wolves, McDonald. I think it was. He just battered the ball across his own six-yard box. I had to watch the replays like that six times because it looked like a, a lead cross, and but it was a Wolves player that did it. So that was pretty exciting. That helped Charlie fucking Taylor with a fucking goal. And of course, well, echoes of, of Gary Medine really when he uh, he scratched that man's ankle and he murdered his sock, which was brutal. Wasn't I was it? watching our stream, so I didn't have the pleasure of Don Goodman but I'm sure he was outraged yeah yeah he was He was. I did tweet at the time that he was sort of peddling for the death penalty to be brought back in Leeds just, just Leeds postcodes why is it only Leeds and Socks that ever gets highlighted I'm sure we're not the only team who tackles other people's Socks there must be a ripped sock in, in all 92 clubs they didn't really appear to be a mark on his actual leg either it no, was, there, was a quite, there was a cut ah fuck it it was a scratch yeah. It's a fucking contact sport. Yes, it wasn't anything you should He's be... He's a young lad. You get one of them for free. On your and listen, day, everybody was bleating about it. He still didn't get sent off, did he? They're like, he should have got sent off. We didn't send him off, did he? The ref was close enough to see it. And they're right, he might have gone over the ball a little bit, but there was no stud showing. He got the ball. Leave him alone. He's only a kid. Agreed. Kids should be allowed to kick who they want. Exactly. Why didn't he kick one of Dicko or Sacco? Because they were far too quick for us. Probably because he couldn't catch them. It wasn't very fair, that whole thing, that they had those two running down the down the wings at, at Wotton and Berardi, who were both... I've never noticed, actually, quite how slow Berardi was until this game. All well, this game's all in his head. Very. He's, in, he's an intelligent player, not a quick I player. absolutely hate to know what's in his head. Um, I, I got a text, by the way, on that note about the pace from one of my mates on, uh, on Monday tea time. He said, so I was chatting to my Wolves mate pre-game, and he said, all we have is three strikers with pace and power. At that point, I feared the worst. <laughs> Even when we managed to miraculously get it back to 3-3, you kind of knew the glory wasn't going to be ours. It was, it was always there to It be. does show you, I think, it shows you the difference between what we've got and what we lack and what it takes to get out of this division, which is pace and power. If you can, We've got the neat passing, I think. We're fine with that. And Byram, if we can actually manage to retain him and not flog him off, mm-hmm. um, will be a really useful for this in terms of going past people. But See also Cook, Moet. Etc, etc, yeah. Um, but Charlie Taylor was really good in this game yeah. in general in terms of all that but it's the ability to go past people and quickly isn't it and, mm. and get in behind them they reminded me a little bit of uh, well the game as a whole reminded me a bit of the Watford game where we, we scored goals basically without creating any chances because there were a couple of errors and then a 
the long range effort that yeah. you kind of you can't rely on. Although uh, Moat does do them pretty regularly, but when they went forward, they were creating chances every time because they had some really good strikers. That's what's frustrating about Morrison is if if Byram ever does get to the byline and cross the ball in, Morrison's just on the other wing. Whereas if you looked at um, Wolves' goal when uh, was it Dicko got in right at the back post and just slid it over Wooden. How did he get there? Like it's none of our players ever get to that position. If it's not, there was that period under Milinic when every goal we scored, it was either Ducaro or Antonucci scoring from a shot from the edge of the penalty box. That was the only way we scored for a while, and we just did not ever score a goal in the six-yard box. And it was only Billy Sharp or Huddersfield I can think of was actually a fox in the box. And he's not fast enough to do that on a regular basis. Well, then, all this um, now leaves us mid-table. As we know, uh, we are currently 14th with five games to go. Glorious. At the time of recording, on 52 points. Um, The bad news is, mathematically, now we can't make the playoffs. What about morally? Which is a shame. Um, I was going to say, the good news is, we can still be caught by Millwall, so it should be a thrilling end to the season as we fight to avoid relegation. But that will involve Millwall winning all their games us losing all our games could happen could happen I'm fairly comfortable <laughs> I don't yeah. know when you put it like that I think well actually that's quite possible what about Wigan and there are a host of teams in between as Wigan well. that new manager bounce well could happen couldn't it well we're safe anyway have you seen who's been linked with the Wigan job oh he's not got it they've given it to Gary Caldwell yeah does that mean we're, st- we're still in with a shot of Bruno Ribeiro I hope so somebody need, I mean if Chilino's sticking around would you just need to, to, to stick that idea in the mind of whoever is running the club he can, be the, he can be the watermelon for the next three months can't he I'd love it if Bruno I reckon Bruno Ribeiro would fuck Chilino right up he was always tough well as we said then there are five games to go we've got Cardiff on Saturday followed by Norwich at home um, on Tuesday after that just the one home game on the last day of the season in between times Charlton and Wednesday five games to go it's hard to care too much isn't it, we've really, got to that stage. we've finally finally reached that point where we just want it to be over we've again. got enough points the wheels have come off Let's just end it. The news. And there it is then. It's back by popular demand. An overused and tired joke, but it only seems appropriate to fire up the sacking siren again. Uh, Several have departed, probably not to return. We'd rather not use it. We just need to stress that. Well, unless it's Steve Morrison. Can he be sacked? Why don't we sack any of our crap players? Contracts, I think, is the reason. Not that that matters to anybody else. Well, they've got around it with Steve Thompson. He had a contract, just suspended him. I mean, Steve Thompson has been suspended for underperformance by the sporting director. So why is ex, Steve... Ex-sporting <laughs> So why hasn't the same thing happened to Steve Morrison? It's one of life's great mysteries. Um, well, let's rewind back to Matt Child, the chief operating officer, has resigned... Didn't even wait to be sacked. And with remarkable foresight, um, we called it on the last podcast, nominated him for the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight whilst we still could. Mm -hmm. Basically, he's had enough. We knew. Well, we didn't. That implies that we knew. (laughs) We didn't know. You know, know. we knew to the extent that you know everyone at some point. I'll say at some point within within about a month of arriving will generally be sacked. He had a good run. (laughs) How long was he there? Oh, it was at least a couple of months. A few months, yeah. So he was more Hockaday than Milanic. Yeah. And I think people were saying he was doing a good job too, so it's only right that he was... Uh, Seemed like... He do- was, well, he, he resigned, didn't he? I mean, we don't necessarily know if he was forced out by the madness. A nice guy doing a good job. Clearly he was in the wrong place. Well, as well as you know, I've been in touch with him and I won't <laughs> hang him out to dry on this podcast, but 
He basically had enough, yeah. Well, his own statement that he put out effectively sounded like this, a man who just couldn't be bothered with it. Yeah, thank too, you. Just too much nonsense. I said, uh, I'm going back to the gelded. And it must be as well, if you found yourself in that position as, as a genuine fan, um, not, for example, like an Umbers fan, um, if you find yourself as a genuine fan... I wonder, not- I wonder Umbers used to have his, uh, his season ticket <laughs> prior to taking over as chairman. Because, mm. I mean, he's he said himself, hasn't he, that he's a, he is a Leeds fan. Yeah. Um, so I, remember- I don't recall ever seeing him. No. And he's quite a distinctive he is distinctive. Yeah. I noticed a picture, actually, someone um, had put on Facebook. It was taken from, from the exec boxes from above. And not only does he dye his hair... He's actually got a very fine band of hair around the middle of his head because he's quite bald at the back. He's bald at the front, but he's maintaining this little black strip around the front so that on, on pictures he can maintain the illusion of hair because he's a fraud. <laughs> and there speaketh a man who, who knows all about hair loss. Well, exactly. Either the decency to, to stop pretending that I've got mm-hmm. any. Just take it off. It's worth a few decent acts of your life <laughs> amongst the many indecent... Hey. You two were looking at me with uh, a disdain when I was getting into Umbers, saying he was untrustworthy. What are your opinions on him this week? Was we? When? Yeah, last week you were. Last time around, you were. You looked a bit worried when I was slagging him off, saying he was untrustworthy. Probably just because like he, he looks like he can afford expensive lawyers. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he's a prick, and that's that's Michael's opinion. <laughs> that's Michael's opinion. Anyway, so uh, first of all, a couple of weeks back, it seems like again a life. You know, we, we talk about so many things on this podcast hmm. about feeling like it was like a lifetime ago. This is another one. Matt Child resigned. After that, of course, Steve Thompson. More recently, the assistant watermelon suspended with a letter signed by Nicola Salerno, mm-hmm. who in turn has resigned. The sporting mm-hmm. director has resigned over that. Has he resigned over that? He has resigned since that. Since that's what I meant. Yes, legally speaking. So do we know that? I mean, what are the reasons? Nobody seems to know the clear reasons. Was it swearing? Was it insulting Salerno's man bag? Underperformance, as was was reckoned. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what is it? Well, it was interesting to see the theories being raised at the time on in the fervent and sometimes torrid world of social media, where um, the facts that we knew were that Steve Thompson had been suspended for underperformance, according to the letter he was given. That seemed to go against the facts of what everybody could see, the evidence of our own eyes, which is that since he arrived at the club, the team has overperformed, I would argue. So that seemed inconsistent. So as we searched around, it seemed... Didn't, that didn't seem to stack up for me. No. So that suggests that perhaps there is a different reason, a different real reason, the truth behind the, uh, the suspension, which, um, yes, yeah, some of the, the popular theories were, well, he's probably punched somebody like Jeremy Clarkson. That was one of my favourite theories. And it was almost as if some the, the person who said that had just seen whatever the most recent high-profile suspension in the news was, then they just copied that. For example, if it had been a few weeks earlier, it's like, well, he's probably just... Well, can, well Moscow, can you prove he didn't punch someone? Well, can exactly. You? He, and then if it had been different, he probably plagiarised a news report like that newscaster who got suspended. It was just like, well, people get suspended for stuff all the time, so... There will have been a good reason, like he probably punched somebody, and you can't say he didn't. Cause the he probably, probably said something racist about well, the Italian. That's well, probably all it was. Well, it, it's it's come down to now um, this story about him getting in an altercation with Nicolas Salerno after the Fulham game, which apparently is the the reason where it could. The stories ranged from speaking to him disrespectfully, insulting his man bag, or um, vicious vicious remarks. Maybe maybe he ruffled his hair a bit too aggressively mm. or something. It's strange, though, because all the stories that are 
now being come out today from people who nobody has said they saw any of this to back it up and now everybody who was around the team after a very enjoyable 3-0 win away to Fulham says that the atmosphere was brilliant there is the recording of um, Nicholas Lerner kissing Neil Redfern during an interview and um, that's the post-match for Fulham wasn't it yes at the BBC and nobody can uh, can imagine any scenario in which the mild-mannered and generally lovely Nicholas Lerner would be involved in a vicious altercation with the also generally well-liked Steve Thompson after a 3-0 win uh, to the extent that he then does nothing for two weeks and then suspends him for underperformance. Mm. And apparently, well, as Andrew Umber said, it was down to what Nicholas Solano said and the board went along with his decision, mm. even though Solano wasn't a board member and, mm. and then suspended him. I'm calling bollocks. Yes. Well, there was something going along, going on at the same time as this, which was um, they'd been told not to play. Hmm, well, this is the other story, Marco Antonucci, because yes. he was because this is the sort of club we are that we you set people performance related targets, but rather than hope to draw good performances from uh, as a result of that, so they'll hit those targets. Everyone's a winner, kind of situation. We don't really want that. We want to get to a point because we're not going up and we're not going down. They've reached the point where they just want us to basically stop being a football club, very much like in the style Newcastle gets more or less safety and then stop trying to win games. They basically want Marco Antonucci to stop trying to score goals now. Mm. And the other story goes, which seems more plausible than loads of nice men having a massive argument that results in someone being sacked. Um, The more plausible situation is that Redfern said, if I'm not picking him, I need to tell the player and the press that it's a board decision. It's nothing to do with me. And to teach Redfern a lesson for having the balls to try and be uh, a decent human being, um, rather than sack Redfern, because that would have made people really upset, just sack his mate, scratch his car a bit. Undermine him. Yeah. There are the, take his phone off him. There are two, I mean, it does become a question of which story you believe, because those are the two. Now, it's one, a fight between Steve Thompson and Nicholas Salerno, and the other one is the uh, the manager, the, the coach, standing up over the uh, non-selection of Mirko Antonucci against the board. One, I would suggest, would be wildly out of character for all the people involved. Nobody seems to think that either Thompson or Salerno are particularly the fighting kind. Especially on the back of a 3-0 resounding victory in the yes, league. Yeah. One would wonder what they had to, to fight about in, those, in that instance. The other one, I would suggest, seems a little bit more in character for all the, the people involved. That you would expect Neil Redfern to maybe stand up over that. You'd kind of, you would expect the board to be, to be asking for Antonucci not to be picked because they might have to give him an extension on his contract. That seems more in character in the end. So when you weigh the two things up and then add to it the fact that Nicholas Salerno has resigned mm. after making, after he made this decision that the board went along with, and the, which the board, to be fair, have then backed him to the hilt. They've said, look, he, you know, he made this decision and we, we go along with him 100%, whatever Nicola says. Just to be goes. clear as well, when you, when you say the board, you're talking about the people in charge and mm. someone who is definitely not in charge or indeed having any influence um, over club affairs is Massimo Cellino. Well, no, he, he doesn't know what's going on. He's, I mean, he said well, yeah, exactly. It will, have been, mean, it will have been news. I, mean, I bet he's shocked in a poll. He probably saw it on teletext and was, mamma mia. Like, you can't imagine him, for example, being daft enough to have sent um, the head coach a load of text messages telling him what to do, which, no. which might in some way implicate him as still being in charge. That would be because, ridic- because, ridiculous. <laughs> because if the head coach had anything about him, he'd probably have saved a copy of those messages and they could be produced as a, a perhaps a digital trail. <laughs> and that would be... Yeah. That I mean, we're, we're obviously, we're, we're just spitballing now. And 
Yeah. You know, just imagine a scenario where that happens. That'd be ludicrous, wouldn't it, anyway? I'm sure that if the head coach of any football team, hypothetically, was being sent hypothetical text messages by a hypothetically banned president and or hypothetical chairman, he would be just, he would be fully engaged in that corruption and delete those hypothetical text messages from his phone as soon as he read them. Absolutely. Because he'd, he'd go along with it 100%. They'd go forward as one. One, one team, united if you like. Yes. Behind a common goal. Um, we have to give a, a common name. goal of making sure that Mirko Antonucci does not get another year on his contract. How dare he? Um, or score 12 goals for Leeds United. I mean, of all performance-related targets, 12. Shit, isn't it? I did like, um, I think the credit goes to Ben Machel on Twitter who said that... Um, Steve Morrison's probably got a performance-related target in his contract of two goals, but they're just like, nah, fuck it, play him. <laughs> um, we have to give a name check as well to um, Fiona CK on that Twitter. Um, she was the one who remembered that um, Salerno had interrupted Redfern's interview on the BBC to give him a kiss mm-hmm. and has brought this whole storm out into the open, which is interesting. Unless the storm was Steve Thompson in a jealous rage. If he turned away, if he took his tongue out from down Luke Murphy's throat <laughs> long enough to catch sight of, of some more hot man-on-man action going on in the tunnel at Fulham, how dare that go on without Cottage. me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you may say... Right, um, let's move on to Leeds fans LLP. Have they been sacked? No. Um, I'm not, as far as I'm aware, they haven't been tonguing Luke Murphy, but they've launched their initiative for fans to put money into their scheme to attempt to buy a stake in the club. And mm-hmm. looks like there's been a pretty overwhelmingly huge uptake so far. They're throwing the, away the money, down in, in the first few days, it looks like they've got somewhere in the region of 700 people. Involved 700 in dimwits. Yeah, in the first couple of days. So that's good. Uh, and you might go, oh, well, that's not many, is it? But, you know, from small acorns. It is when that. you know I put in £10,000. <laughs> I think you did as well, Moscow. Uh, definitely. And um, Mrs. Michael, uh, your husband has put in £10,000. I put in £100, which, you know, I haven't told my wife about. Did she listen to this rubbish? Uh, no. no. That's probably for the best. Sticking another 100 just, just to spite her. It doesn't need discussing. It was one of my favourite tweets that I saw that was tweeted to us at the Square Ball, um in the last couple of days and you'll have to forgive me for not having the name on uh, uh, to hand but it was somebody who said wife sat there on the iPad choosing some curtains <laughs> I'm on the laptop spending her curtain money which was good on Leeds LLP Leeds fans LLP shares so good on you no, I, I have I have genuinely put £100 in and from from reading what they say basically you either get a stake in the club or you maybe lose a tenner that seems alright it's alright yeah I've yet to see any convincing argument not to do it have you done it? No. <laughs> but that's because I'm really bad at just... I mean, I haven't... I mean, when did we all get our council tax bills? That was a couple of weeks ago. I've not paid... Tenth of the month, mine. Right. Well, I've not yeah. paid that just, either. I've just had it. Gas bill is probably... I'm really bad at pay, making pennies. Go on with Oddie. He doesn't have any of that worry where he is. Just go on with... Oh, sorry. I didn't In, the, in, in the arches. But I fully intend to at least 100. Probably 100 because I can't afford much more. But, yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't you? It's like... It's risking tenor on um, the future performance of some Leeds fans, and I risk more. I risk more than ten pounds just travelling to a stadium to watch the performance of Steve Morrison, which has f- much fewer guarantees of good performance than this does. I have more faith in Leeds fans LLP than I will have in Steve Morrison, which is a backhanded compliment. Well, as, a, as an organisation, it seems immeasurably better than the club 
Mm. They seem to do things professionally and, you know, they've actually got proper documents drawn up and... Accountability. Yeah, they've looked into different ways. Cra- crazy stuff like that. You get the feeling if, if Chilino wanted to raise money, he'd probably just suggest people bring it to the ground and... <laughs> <laughs> in cash just I, leave it I take your cash put it in the letterbox I take a check and bring your daughter just leave them on the ground I click later uh, just like an amnesty bin knives needles <laughs> um, the other thing is with these fans LLP is that they appear confident in what they're doing which is a big difference I've noticed um, in the social media world a lot of people determined for some reason Leeds fans determined to trip them up but their responses are always quite definite, forthright, confident. The one in particular I was thinking of is because they've uh, spoken to somebody from Red Bull, contacted them to talk about plans, along with representatives of six other takeover um, bidders. And somebody tried to pick them up when they went public with this. So, Should you be making public statements about this without consulting with your investors? And Dylan from Leeds Fans just said, um, well, we're going to. Because it wouldn't be practical to ask our investors about every statement we make to the press. And then, because it was so definite and so confident, silenced that and had a lot of people who are investors say, good, that's what I want you to do. Mm. And it's just that sort of clear, clear-eyed leadership that's just kind of... It's one of the reasons why I've personally not written or said a lot about Leeds fans LLP is because it's just happening. They're just doing it. There's not even an argument around it to say should they do there's always people going oh well maybe you should buy the ground well we're not gonna we're not going to try and buy the ground because we can't mm-hmm. we're just going to do this yeah, anyway. if, you, if you don't like what we're doing then just leave us to it yeah. if we don't succeed we don't succeed it's yeah. a big benefit they have over people like the trust who have done some good good work but they are sort of legally obliged to ask their members what they're doing mm-hmm. whereas Leeds fans LLP have gone yeah we're, we're just doing this if you want to come with us fine if not just leave us to get on with it. Yeah. Preferably don't stand on the sidelines bickering about stuff. But yeah, just, I mean, if there's 10 people bickering on the sidelines, put in a tenner each. And if it goes wrong, you want to lose a pound each. You can still bicker about it if you want, but at least you, if it means that much to you to be right, at least you'll be on the right side if it works out. There's so many different ways of just supporting it. I don't understand a mindset that goes like, I'm going to criticise this. My perception of it is that the people who are critical of this are the ones that are more likely to praise the way Shalino does things mm. and that's possibly my own prejudice coming through but it always felt like that with the, the people who are more critical of the trust were kind of the probate people and you think how can you not see which of these groups you are more like you are nothing like, like rub- rubbishing our own fans yeah. Yeah. you are nothing like Ken Bates you share no aims with him you share all of your aims presumably which is just which are pretty simple of having a decent and well run club with these other people, mm. so why why do you spend so much time chipping away at these people? It's almost like you find they're they're more on your level, so they're more fair game to have a go at. Whereas it's, people on a pedestal, you just, the, you just there is all, yeah, there is almost that thing, isn't it? Who, who do you think you are, kind of thing? You're absolutely right. Yeah, who, do, who are you to to get all uppity and start trying to do stuff like this? Well, there's a lack of uh, self confidence as well that I always think came down to it with um, Bates. Is that people imagine <clears throat> that because Bates is rich, that he's somehow got a power to be rich and they don't realise that if you are stood in Ellen Road watching a football match there are probably people around you who are richer than Ken Bates who are better business people than Ken Bates who have got more sense than Ken Bates and do a lot of things that Ken Bates or Massimo Cellino or GFH couldn't do but because they're stood next to you 
and they're not on the telly and they're not in the papers and they don't have a high profile or up in their plastic box up there yeah yeah you don't you don't look at them and see them as being any different or any more capable than you are so if the guy next to you I mean, it's it's almost well, like Dylan, if you're, Dylan has bought the magazine off me several times yeah. prior to me knowing who he was. So, but then how, how does that? How then can he manage to run a business like a football club if a man in the street pays one pound fifty for a magazine? You're how right. can that man then go and run a football club? Yeah, it th- doesn't th- make th- any sense. People like David Haig, when he was interested in the square ball, he sent people down on his behalf to go and get to get a copy of the square ball, and that's to me, doesn't say that he's any more capable because he's in an ivory tower. That says to me that he's frightened of the public and, and doesn't understand how money works. Mm. Uh, which one of these is a pound? <laughs> is, it the, is it the papery one? Leeds fans... Yeah, they've forgotten by now. Beyond Deerham's... It's a little bit <laughs> or like... Or cigarettes. It's a little bit like sitting on a bus and the guy next to you suddenly stands up and just says that he's a brilliant... He's got a business plan. He buys the bus... This metaphor really isn't going anywhere. <laughs> but it's just that lack of faith of, that people have in them, in their own class that they can achieve something. I think what, and that they have to put their faith in. What you're saying, and I agree bosses. with it, yeah, is that, that, that there, see, there is a perception because of the baubles and the stand and the executive boxes that there's this huge distance or huge disconnect between the people up there at the top of the tree and the fan on the ground. And actually, I don't think the distance is really that great. No. And you forget as well, and it's exactly what you said, is that there are all different stripes of Leeds fans, some of whom are very, very capable in business, probably more capable than some people who are running certain things, you know. You think like about... Well, yeah, you think that, that GFH, how much cash money they actually had at their disposal. I bet there are wealthier Leeds fans in our executive boxes mm-hmm. than GFH ever were. Because they've got more sense than to waste all the money on a football club. <laughs> the one that they've got an executive box at, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buying a box is a waste of money, though, because you can just enter Ken's competition. This is true. We, uh, speaking of Ken, let's, get, let's move on to him. We, we've listened to the weekly Ken. Of course, we listen to it so you don't have to. And there are some real gems in there. I mean, um, he covers David Haig, Fabian Delph. With what? Well, bile. Ectoplasm. And, well, and this is the best bit, and the UK election. Now, before mm. we get on to all this, it's worth pointing out that radio is covered by very particular rules around election time where you cannot give undue prominence to any party so the, the the rule of thumb generally as you're advised in radio is just don't touch it mm. you know fine for BBC Five Live that's what they do it's news it's journalism they're going to speak to them yeah. all at some point aren't they just don't touch it so Ken talks about the UK election anyway he he starts out by explaining that he's got a sore throat and then 28 and a half minutes later he finally reaches the end and he starts out by wishing um, Leeds fans LLP well because he's he's a man of the people yes um, which is good good of him because obviously the very thrust of their argument is that most of our recent owners have been a bit shit but, Ken would probably agree but he because he's probably forgotten he ever owned Leeds United but Dylan rather cannily has been and gone and met Ken and spoken to him so perhaps you know it, Dylan is playing the right game shall we say yes talk young man Ken intimidate in the shops I don't know I've not heard this to be honest um, but there's all sorts of different things covered in this. There's Haig's case, which is now broken on Twitter. That it's quite an important date. He's been heard at Westminster Magistrates Court tomorrow. That that's Thursday the 9th for... Uh, it's the arrest warrants for... His arm and... Yes. Also collectively known as... Arabs. Yes. <laughs> the Arabs. The Arabs. For- all, all of the Arabs are in court. <laughs> and all been trafficking people. 
Um, and obviously the allegation is that they trafficked Hague to Dubai with the intention yes. of getting him in, into uh, jail. Um, a, are we, it, it, I mean, it is a massive insult to people who are, who are trafficked. I don't think the majority of people are taken, are invited in a, in a what was probably a business class yeah. jet to a job interview. Yeah, they're normally like they, a, where they presume a they tank of cargo hold or something. Yeah, where they presume they would be getting a sort of at least a six figure salary. It's, it's not gone well for David Haig, has it? He's the latest um, judgments against mm. him. I can't remember when it, when it was now. Did we cover it last time? I'm not sure we did, but they, they basically all... said, why haven't you sold any of these houses that we sold you to sell so you could pay for all this stuff? Yeah. And, uh... and then it was um, about, again, they were questioning his dietary requirements because he was asking for like another £1,000 a week or something to spend on food. I, like, um, I, I need Juice Plus. Well, his list of... <laughs> and he... you too can... Make money selling Juice Plus. I'll set you up as a seller. <laughs> he, he submitted a list of receipts to, as examples of the kind of food he had been given, stressing the importance of his diet as a, veg, as a lifelong vegetarian. And the judge pointed out that on the list of food he was being taken were beef and chicken noodles. <laughs> I, to be fair, if you look at your average pack of super noodles, I bet it's never seen a cow or a chicken in his yes, life. Yes, they could well be vegetarian. But it was, it's just those things are all being... Um, his legal team, I maybe shouldn't accuse them of representing him while drunk, but the quality of work that they seem to be uh, <laughs> dedicating to his case seems to be inconsistent with what one would expect of such excellent legal representation. The other thing that the judge points out is that the sheer number and variety of top quality lawyers who David Haig claims to be representing him in his various different cases around the world is mind-boggling and he's kind of there saying this guy is in jail with no money no way of contacting the outside world no, no noodles no noodles <laughs> no medicine and yet seems to be retaining the services of lots and lots of incredibly expensive lawyers and if his if his outgoings are a problem that perhaps maybe not retaining the services of so many lawyers might help Contribute, and he, he made the point that one of the reasons why Haig was asking for more money was because he wanted to pay some of these lawyers. But the calculations worked out that he would, it would be like a maximum of twenty percent of the millions of pounds that they are now due. And he was like, "I don't see any legal team in the in the in the world giving a toss about twenty percent of their fees. They'll want all or nothing. So how about I just give you nothing?" I think he gave him like an extra five hundred quid a week just because he said, "I don't believe a word of this, but I feel a bit sorry for him." So. <laughs> I'm just going to give him a bit more and see how he gets on. Oh, and sell that goddamn house if you want some money. Um, well, Ken Bates um, mm. said that the British government have an out-of-sight, out-of-mind attitude towards Hague, which I presume probably extends to Ken himself, to be perfectly well, honest. I mean, why should the British government care? <laughs> Brits abroad and all that. Anyway, yeah, on, on to, with that hot topic out of the way, on to Fabian Delph, um, who he describes as a, is a lovely fellow. We wanted him to sign a new contract and we didn't want to sell him. Hmm. His agent, who, incredibly, is also a lovely fellow. Yes. Imagine. A lot of lovely fellows. Uh, came in and he said he didn't want to leave. Okay, so we've established now quite clearly that the club didn't want to sell him. They wanted him to sign a new contract. Hmm. Um, his agent has come in and said he didn't want to leave. Okay? Hmm. Case closed it's for everybody. It's just simple. Yeah, it's, it's open and shut case. Yeah. Is Ken Bates possibly thinking of something that happened in the 1950s? A lovely fellow. Um, we used to uh, conduct the big band at the at the local hop, 
and Delph, his name was. He didn't he didn't want to leave the club, but he got offered. Did he loved that Wurlitzer. He offered to place at the Locarno. Back in the delivery fell, represented by they're all lovely fellows in the A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with sleep number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 50s. So as Ken says, his agent, the lovely fellow, mm. came in and said, he didn't, he didn't want to leave. Didn't Delph say something different this week? Well, this is with reference to what, I mean, the, the interviewer asked KB um, what had happened. Um, and he, he relayed Fabian Delph. His, Fabian his parade of lovely fellows. Cut his comments to KB. And KB responded and said, his, his agent was a lovely fellow. He came in, he said he doesn't want to leave, but he wants to play Premier League football. Right. Doesn't make sense to me, that. <laughs> Couldn't he have played Premier League football? At le- oh, no, okay. Yeah, that's, that's the, there's the rub. Anyway, yeah. so Ken was basically, I had to let him go because so, everyone was such lovely fellows. He had to sell him. Well, you not, wouldn't want to hold them back in that situation. Well, exactly. Not, nothing to do with the massively um, overrunning bill on the East Stand or anything like that. No, well, he had our season ticket money for that. <sighs> of course. Yeah, and he, he was sort of stressing that even though obviously he basically had to let Fabian Delph go, it, it it's, provides a great example of why we have to hang on to the youngsters we have in the first team now. I've not been looking at uh, how Monaco have been getting on this season. Have they rebuilt around youth? He means us. Well, you have children. I don't. I <laughs> live a barren life. <laughs> he, he, no, he doesn't refer to Dan. He def- if possible, hold on to your youngsters. <laughs> Same for you, Michael. So yeah, he's he's basically saying it's really important to keep hold of your youth and not to sell it off. That's he challenges mm. he, he he throws down the gauntlet for Massimo Cellino to do that for him. What about if you trafficked them? Is that acceptable? Anyway, let's move on to he's the against next, that. As he, well, he returns he? to he returns to the seat of government and um, and this was brilliant. I timed this one, the start and the end points of it. There's a ten minute monologue about the general election. That's brave. Yes, it is. Or is this put on the radio? Is this just a... It's on audio boom. I, I presume... I don't know if it's gone out on the wireless or not. I'm not sure. Not sure. You could probably, have you seen that uh, Yorkshire Radio, Radio Yorkshire now has a bus that drives around uh, Leeds City Centre broadcasting its sounds of Radio Yorkshire? Is anyone on the bus? Anyone interested in the bus? Or is it... Who's is driving it... the bus? Who's driving the bus? Radio Yorkshire have a big double-decker bus. Is Massimo driving the bus? <laughs> it's going, well, it's a Radio Yorkshire bus. It's going around Lee City Centre broadcasting through, like very much like a, an election bus, but rather than uh, Ken Bates' speech, it's just playing like hits of the 80s as a reason, like, go and tune in. But I don't Cheaper know, royalty payments, I don't I know where that falls in on Ofcom guidelines. Could they maybe use that 
as an alternative broadcasting mechanism. Who knows? Vote the personal abuse in the election. Well, what I will, yeah, speaking of personal abuse, Ken does say at the start of his monologue that he can't stand... These are all morons. No, he can't stand the personal abuse that dominates Prime Minister's question times in Parliament in this country. Hmm. Doesn't like personal abuse, Ken. Nope. Not a fan. Do you make a list of everybody he's ever personally abused ever? I don't think we need to make a list. We can just say Melvin Levi and and his wife. Uh, Anyway... Uh, he moves on to say he's, he's basically solved the health staffing crisis, which mm. is, you know, he's, he's, he's basically a, a, a sage of our time. He's got the answers for yeah. everything. Give me um, the answers. The, the answer to this is that there are too many foreigners from, and I quote, backwards nations who don't speak English. <laughs> so what's and, those, the... and those people needed to keep the health service going? Well, yes. yes. And this is what he's saying. But he's, is... saying, he's saying what part of the problem is that they, they all come from these backward nations and then they, they make these backward nations more backward because they're leaving there to come over here and mm. not speak very good English. How's that a solution to our NHS staffing crisis? Because that to me seems to suggest that we would just have less staff. Let he's concerned about, concerned about the health services of third world countries then. Is, he, is that mm. what he's essentially arguing? Mm. Right. Yep. I'm not sure how that's a UK election issue. Well, it was on Radio Yorkshire, and that which I, I feel, you know, and as former chairman of, of Leeds United, it's very important to, to, well, to our listeners and to, to their listeners as mm. well. Um, anyway, on David Cameron, he wants to see his Prime Minister looking smart in a suit and tie. He doesn't want to see him chopping up cabbages or lettuces in his kitchen. Yes. <laughs> and PR people who advise all the politicians should be shot. That seems dramatic. Hmm. I know. I mean, we've stopped short with Steve Morrison of outright saying he should be shot because I would feel that would be in poor taste. He probably should be shot. <laughs> That's a fair style. Maybe not. You, but we've stopped short of saying you it. Maybe want to do it personally, but a drone strike. <laughs> I know you've not got it in you to to pull, the, to pull the trigger from close range. Draw it again. <laughs> if I said to you, hit this button here. <laughs> oh, we're into moral dilemmas now. I've hidden a James Bond esque device in his heart. You press this button, it'll stop. He doesn't have a heart. He has a swinging brick. <laughs> Michael's just handed Moscow a remote. Passed him the detonator. This will kill Steve Morrison. He's done it. He's done it, everyone. I only did it so Luciano Becchio can live. <laughs> it's for humanity's sake. Anyway, Ken goes on to say that in what is definitely not an attempt to curry favour with his audience, KB says he's impressed with the Yorkshire First Party, um, and he's that impressed that he couldn't even remember the leader's name. Lovely mm. fellow, though. Mm. Fantastic chap. And uh, sort of the, the general thrust of all this is that he's livid that the Scots want to break up the, the union. He, he refers to Nicola Sturgeon as that woman in Scotland. Good. Um, I knew he wouldn't like a woman's presence in the election. <laughs> so, I like, I like to see my... Prime Minister looking smart in his suit and tie. I don't want one of the crankies. No, no, not some dolly bird in a fridge dress. <laughs> no, 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 chopping cabbages and lettuces. So he doesn't... He really, Nigella Lawson. He really doesn't agree with the Scotland breaking up the union, but he's right behind Yorkshire doing it. Okay, nice. Seems fair. Yeah. And he's telling all the youngsters to think hard. If you can vote now, vote. It's your country. Mm. Says tax exile Ken Bates. Don't Wait. come... Don't complain if you're not there to take part. You can vote if you're 21 years old now. <laughs> and even if you're a woman, but I think it's 30. <laughs> as long as you have professional employment. Or a husband. 
<laughs> and he wraps all this up anyway. He mentions his, it's his Monaco Grand Prix competition time again as well, right. where you can win your tickets, where you've got to get there yourself, of course, Yeah. Um, to the semi-final and final of the Does Monaco. he say that again? Yes, he does. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and finally, and, and we should plug this as well, he does mention the Brendan Ormsby... Uh, benefit game and he, he I don't want him to plug in nice things but he actually he, but the thing is on this recording he actually he goes well, I've been asked to mention something and uh, he rustles down he gets a piece of paper from under his desk and you, you actually hear this happen <laughs> he says uh, right I've been asked to mention this because it's a good cause <laughs> I've been told it is anyway yeah. Brenda Ormskirk fellow had a stroke um, anyway, yeah, so he, uh, he he mentions the benefit game that's taking place for Brendan Ormsby. In, in memory of <laughs> Brendan Ormsby. And he uh, he says he says that the uh, the guest of honour is none other than famous Leeds boxer Justin Warrington. I remember when she was called Nicola Adams. <laughs> Let's revisit then, if we can possibly bear it, the, the stuff we spoke about on the last Comeback Podcast. Uh, which was the the takeover? What takeover bit? Um, we we spoke about Genting at some length. They subsequently, of course, denied any interest or involvement in buying Leeds United. Mm. But we are aware, as far as we know, that the books were looked at by a Malaysian buyer, whether it was Genting or, as we sort of postulated on the last one, the owner himself. So they've denied. The only thing that surprises me about that is it's three weeks since we had that conversation, and yet the takeover isn't done. Mm, that's that's the that's. That's surprising to me. I would have thought it would all be settled by now. But well, enter Red Bull through the wings. Uh, they are. They aren't. They are. They aren't. They are. They aren't denied. Now, can we read too much into that? I mean, they've said that they have no plans, and I quote, to acquire another franchise and completely ruin it in the name of brand strengthening and corporate greed. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trust a word that came out of their dirty Tory and rotten mouths. <laughs> they do have as part of their their scheme of buying clubs is that they do issue denials. Do so they have pure evil at their heart? Is that, is I, that what you're going to I gather say? that's exactly the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yeah, denials are part of their their modus operandi, so we can't read anything into a denial. Do you know what Red Bull gives you? The shits? Wings. Wings that will fly you straight to hell. Just saying. Okay. I, think that's, I think that's their slogan. Not, their a, not a fan of them taking over Leeds then and, and erasing our history and starting again? Uh, no. They can erase the last 10 years. <laughs> Should yeah. we give him that? I'd allow that. <laughs> yeah. If we are consulted on which part of the history we want to erase, then possibly... Oh, could we get all, like, meta and postmodern and get them to erase the part of the history where they took us over? It's going all Inception, is this? Isn't yeah, it? that would be pretty far out. That's freaky, God. So, but, yeah, we'd have to be selective. So it would be like, for example, erase Steve Morrison, don't <laughs> erase Nora Cellino. These things. If we could pick and choose like that and then come forward to... There, but otherwise, no, they can fuck off. Michael? Yep. That would, covers it, really. Would you not even accept them if they, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, if they came in and promised they would leave things alone, apart from, like, obviously, the sponsor the ground and... But they won't, will they? It's not what they do. I wouldn't trust a word that came out of their dirty, Tory and rotten mouths. But, in theory, if they did do that... But and, they won't. And agree, agree mm-hmm. to it. But they won't. In theory, if they came in and said that you have a choice, everybody in Leeds has a choice between a free puppy or a free kitten... And if you just can't choose, you can have one of each. I still wouldn't trust them. We fall for this every time with owners. Yeah. that We expect them to be different. We we know the full history. We know what they do. We know the way they operate. Hmm. We did it with Bates. We knew exactly that he'd put prices up. That he was would rub people the wrong way. And then 
he took over Leeds. I mean, he would build stuff. Yeah. We took over Leeds. We thought, oh, it, might, it might be different. Radio seems... station at Oldham in the 60s, radio station yeah, at Chelsea in the 80s. It might be different, though. It might be different. you know, I know he's sacked all these people before and he used to sell all the youngsters and um, stuff at Cali. But this is Leeds and it'll be different here. Yeah. And then it's not, is it? It never yeah. is. So why don't we try and get someone who's not got a load of prior history of being a massive twat. And put our, and put our faith in them changing their ways. Yes, it's like buying a leopard and saying, well, maybe it'll, maybe it'll just become a tiger. What about Just Ru- buy a fucking tiger. What about this Russell Crowe thing? It's, is it, was it all just a massive cock tease to promote his new film? Or do you mean, I kind of believe him when he says he's interested, whether he was, you know, hamming it all up for mm. this new film promo or not, I don't know. But He did slightly ruin his film promotion, though, because it was all anyone wanted to talk about. Well, as we said last time. That's um, Leeds, though, isn't it? Massive, just massive. Did we say last time that like nobody knows any films about from Gladiator that he's been mm. in really? So maybe he needs to establish himself as something else. Maybe the bloke who spoke about buying Leeds United for a while. It seemed like a joke that got he just went with for a long time. Just an idle tweet. Somebody said you interested in buying Leeds United, and it's some you know I would be interested in buying Leeds United. Doesn't mean I'm gonna. But if somebody asked me like, would you buy Leeds United? I'm like, yeah, I'd buy Leeds United. I'd you know buy it lock, stock, and barrel. I haven't got the money, and I've got no intention of doing it. But I'd do it. And then he's just gone with it. I mean, of the people we've, we've talked about, compared to Red Bull, for example, he does seem a, a nice sort of owner. He's got a history of owning a sports team that he has an emotional attachment to. Mm-hmm. He made them successful. As far yeah. as I know, he's not taken millions of pounds out of them. No, some, some bumps along the way. I don't believe that everything but, um, yeah. has been he's talked well about purely golden. Embedding them in the community and all that kind of, yes, all rather, that kind of nonsense. Rather than burying them in a shallow grave like Red Bull would. Mm. In the community. In the community. Um, and possibly the outsiders in this, this run then. Um, there are whispers of an American, American consortium sniffing about that may yet leave uh, the, the delightful Andrew Umbers as chairman and Massimo Cellino as honorary president. Connections to Cellino and, and Miami and said to be money behind them. Would, would you like that? I think that that's exactly what Leeds United need is a confusing mysterious American consortium with links to both Massimo Cellino and Andrew Umbers who would, rather than take the club over, just get involved to make it even more complicated than it is now. I'd really, you know, I'd like some uh, some shadowy figures that I can't identify, then, but I know have disturbing links to people who are, seem to be quite bad for the club right now. Perfect scenario, of, the maybe, dream. Maybe of that consortium, we could pick the, the most dubious of them, keep them... Locked away with Chilino while Umber sells the club again, and we can repeat the process till yeah. eventually there, there are eight or nine people on the board, all of them <laughs> are deeply untrustworthy. <laughs> that sounds ideal. Can I ask you then? This is something that's been rumbling along for a while, and it's all came to a head fueled by this Thompson situation, where, in my opinion, it became apparent that ego has overtaken the football team, and that's why there's been such a major swing of opinion online, in particular, that we've seen that. The football's not getting put first. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's a pissing contest. Does he need to go? Does he need to sell up and go? What's your thoughts on it? It feels like he's going, whether we want to or not. The Amer- the American consortium, last of all, um, is like the final piece in the jigsaw to to create the same picture of when he sold Cagliari to buy us, when he sold Cagliari to groups in Qatar, China, Italy, America. The, one of the American groups, he was actually photographed shaking the hand of the man that to say that the deal was done. 
Then he made an emotional phone call to a newspaper say, finally, I have sold Cagliari. I now buy Leeds United. That is my future. And then the next, I think two days later it was, this guy he never sent a contract through. I don't even know whose hand that was. I have a photograph. I love Cagliari. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that whole, that whole process dragged on for months, but it was a clear sign. Those people wouldn't have, appeared to be about to be buying the club if there wasn't a club for them to be about to buy or if somebody wasn't putting stories in the press to say that that these bids were apparently being made um it was quite it was a public and i would hesitate for legal reasons to say engineered but it was quite a public way of selling a um a football club that seemed like it would result in quite a high bid uh rather than a low bid because there was a lot of competition um, from people who perhaps necessarily didn't exist. So it feels like there is movement in Chilino land away from us. And if that's his plan, then yeah, get on with it. Fuck off. I've personally had enough. I'm very sceptical about Chilino from the start. Haven't trusted him. Suspected all along it would go like this, but have been prepared at all points to give him the benefit of the doubt. Even the last few weeks when he's been banned He's been in Miami. He's been doing nothing. The team has been good. It's almost, if that was going to be the status quo for the next three years, Chilino out of the picture, out of the equation, not interfering, not having a profile, and the team doing well, then as far as I'm concerned, he could own the club if he wanted that. You know, we could, an uneasy truce that appeared to be in our best interests. But he can't do it. He can't go more than a couple of weeks without something blowing up. And when you look at the, the timeline of this, the Merkel-Wintonucci thing has come along around the same time as, uh, as Neil Redfern finally did a big broadsheet profile in The Guardian where he announced that he has a contract that gives him 100% control of the team. And then within days, Steve Thompson has been sacked because of, if we believe the story that we personally think is true, arguments about the board trying to influence team selection and it feels like ego and it feels like spite and we can't be run on the whims of an egotistical spiteful maniac Michael yes <laughs> what do you think is it is it time for him to go or I think it is and I think the presence because Umber's disappeared for a while didn't he and then he was re-employed and he's a man who sells Leeds United that's his job and may or may not be taking a percentage of it well, a couple of important things... But as a Leeds fan, I'm sure he would be putting it all back in the club. A <laughs> couple of, of important... Well, you know, that, that was another one, wasn't it? An Umbers-led consortium. I don't know if this is the same one as the American one, but God, imagine... Who on earth would follow Umbers? Well... Can you imagine the gaggle of twats that would be behind him? <laughs> yeah, if, if that's Andrew Umbers, imagine what his friends are like. Exactly. And if you are a friend of Andrew Umbers, take a look in the mirror. Yeah, so Sky Italy journalist um, Gianluca Di Marzio um, said on Twitter that Cellino is in negotiations to sell his shares in Leeds and he's pretty reliable as far as it goes. And of course, Cellino's next court date is the 14th of April, just a few days away from now. Mm. So there's enough circumstantial evidence to suggest that this is going on. And there's the growing rumours of his interest in buying Parma. He's almost becoming like a the Neil Warnock of club ownership, where it's like... One more challenge. I showed what I could do with Cagliari. You know, that was a tough time. I was there a long time. They loved me there, though. I got them into Syria. Back down to Serie B again, but got them got them up to Syria. But I just fancied one more challenge. And Leeds United, Leeds United are a great club. You don't turn down the chance to own Leeds United. But 
some things just don't turn out. They're just not, not meant to be. But I feel like I've got one more chance. You meet Palmer. They're down on the look. Neil Warnock's down on his look. I said to our Sharon, I just, I fancy it. I can't, I can't resist a challenge like that. What did Ken Bates say? I, I said to Susanna, I've got to save Leeds United. I've got to save Palmer. Faustino Aspria. I've got to save him. And one of the the clinching details in the reports of his interest in Palmer was that... Apparently, Eleonora is all in favour of going back to Italy and not to Leeds. And we've already, the stories have been scurrilous but um, noisy for a while that his wife has been encouraging him to find a different hobby. Um, I'll, I'll go on record and say it. I was told by pretty stand-up people that that's very much the case. Right, so if he's if he's currently got his wife and his daughter going, just, oh, I don't know, come on. You'd grow up. We're not going back to Leeds. We're going to Palmer. But then Palmer, he's got Terry Palmer George grabbing his other arm. Stay! Dad, you love me more than Terry. I've oh, got a I castle, you can come and stay with me. I don't know what to do. I love you, Terry. I love my wife. <laughs> my daughter's okay. Disappointment. Well, she, you know, she's the only child of Chilino without a seat on the board. Which I feel is unfair because I think she has at least as much to offer as Ercole. Ercole has been There's to... There's a lot of people in that category, though. Hercules has been to Elland Road about three times. Eleanor, at least, has been to a few games. And she also offered to design the kit. And also, she's taking a hell of a lot of flack on Instagram. She's probably... The people who are currently probably fronting up for Leeds United more than anybody. Neil Redfern, who had to go into that press conference... Hours after Steve Thompson had been suspended with no information, no clue what was going on. And when Adam Pope and Phil Hay are both saying that they were at the Brian McDermott press conference and this was worse, these were worse conditions, then you know Neil Redfern really had his legs pulled out from under him that day. So Neil Redfern is fronting up and Eleonora Cellino is fronting up on Instagram taking the flack, taking one for the team, probably answering more questions about what's going on at Ellen Drow than anybody else at the moment. So respect to her. Meanwhile, Hercules is just partying around. He's got, you know, going to a fashion show, going to a film opening. Admittedly, she is lying on her Louis Vuitton towels by a beach, but she is on Instagram talking to the fans. We've always wanted fan engagement, going back to the Ken Bates days. Nora has been giving it to us, and I think... If Chilino wants to hang on with the, at the club, Eduardo's let us down. Hercules isn't interested. Get Eleonora on the board. She'll sort things out. She's a straight talker. So recently on Instagram, next to a photograph of her in a skimpy bikini top answering a mobile phone while she gazes um, coyly off into the distance. What was it taken on? She's on a mobile phone. Yeah, a good question. People aren't asking her that, though. The question to her was... Karma is a bitch and when you sack somebody for getting a team second in the form league just because you or your fave players weren't involved then that will come back to bite hard. So that's a hard-hitting question to ask an 18-year-old girl in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And to be fair, her answer, listen Luke, what the fuck do you want from me? I'm a fashion student. I don't work with Leeds United and I'm not involved with it. Why don't you fuck off and let me breathe? You're a horrible person. You're attacking an 18-year-old for decisions that she never took nor she knew about. Karma will get back at you. Which is pretty much, I think, what 
Neil Redfern would have liked to say <laughs> in that press conference. So I think they're of one mind. Well, if Erin Redfern are the dream team, there's your new assistant watermelon. Yeah, the only thing is that she does appear to have crumbled under the pressure and deleted her Instagram account, but I don't think she'll be back. Coming up. Cardiff up first then, um, one of our perennial bogey teams. Um, they're 13th, they're one place above us in, in the league on the same points. They're not going up, they're not going down. Not much to play for on Saturday. Uh, what, we lost 3-1 to them, didn't we, last time out? That was Redder's first game. First full-time game. Yes. And uh, notable for a calamitous defensive mix-up involving Giuseppe Belushi. <laughs> so I think it just shows... It's a big uh, statement for uh, Neil Redfern's coaching methods that we don't have to worry about that kind of thing anymore. Well done, Redders. Are you bothered about this game then? I suppose I'll go. It'd be nice to beat Cardiff, I suppose. Although it'd be nice to beat him when it means something. I think in general, I mean, this is something that Leeds United are... Um, as a club are struggling with it would be nice to win this football match because you know I've paid to go to it as part of, in my part of my season ticket and I'd like them to turn up and do their best perhaps see a striker score a few goals a Mirko Antonucci hat-trick would give me a lot of pleasure for example I'm not sure that everybody at Leeds United is entirely of the same mind I do worry that his reception um, in the Blackburn game might have made him think he's the most popular player at the club when actually it was mm. about a bit more than him yeah, it's strange because the Mirko Antonucci stuff has opened up like a big debate about his merits. Um, would he be worth, you know, do you want him to get a goal bonus? Do you, you know, is he that good that you want him to have another year on his contract? He has another year to go anyway. So we're effectively talking two more seasons after this one. But the fact of the matter is, don't offer him yeah. A contract which says if you score 12 goals, you get another year and a bonus. Yeah. If you don't want him to score 12 goals. It's not that anybody thinks he's the best striker that Leeds United developed. He's all right. I think it's he's, not that we could do. I think he's all right. He's yeah. a reasonable finisher. He's got a reasonable touch. He's mm. quickish. Was, These things are all compared to Steve Morrison, of course. <laughs> I would suggest it's a case of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think it would be nice if Leeds United dealt with footballers. Nicely, I mean, if you look back through this season, Don Polion cancelled a thought he was cancelled a loan move to Oldham, wasn't it? And then because he thought they wanted him to stay, and then they just told him that well, they agreed a new contract, and then um, they'd said that they weren't going to give him that. And he said, Okay, well, I'll go to Oldham on loan as agreed. And they said, Well, we're not going to let you do that either. And he's like, Well, what am I allowed to do? And they essentially said, Die. <laughs> And we're never Matt Smith that new deal as well. Yeah, well, Matt Smith signed a new deal and they told him... Got Did, the, oh, didn't he look happy? Yeah, got, didn't the, he look happy? got the number nine shirt and got told he had a great future at the club and then three weeks later he was sold to Fulham for effectively nothing. These kind of things, I think if you make a commitment, you've got to try and follow through. And so if you said to Mirko Antonucci, 12 goals, that's your target. Get them and you can have... Just, just do, just, you know... Don't double-cross him. Don't double-cross people. I think it's quite a good way, a good rule to live by. And so if we get out of Cardiff without double-crossing any of our own players, <laughs> I think that would be that would be beneficial. And, you know, it's, it's logic because if we get to the end of the season when Andrew Lumber says that he's going to sort out all the contracts, Lewis Cook comes in and he says, I think I've had a very good season and I'd like a, a new contract, please. They say, well, we agree. We can't offer you what some other clubs might offer you, but we could perhaps build in an incentivized contract with a lot of bonus payments. You know, mm, 
okay <laughs> and then we'll break your legs in training yeah, yeah basically hey yeah. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be poetic to bookend the Redfern era with the uh, Cardiff games are you implying that, the, that this might be read as his last match well it, he's, he, he can't be more than one game away from being fired at any given time can he I think uh, yeah there was definitely a moment in the Wolves game when he was sacked like he was not coming back to work for this match when we were 3-1 down Chilino is due back this week isn't mm. he but obviously because he's banned from Leeds United he won't be having any influence and on just on Chilino since we're not particularly interested in the Cardiff game he said a little while ago that when his ban ends he is not going to come back to Leeds United he is going to stay away and he is going to fight his uh, case in the courts with the Football League and he said that that contradicted what he had told everybody earlier in the season when he said he was going to come back at mm. the end of his ban. However, when he had told everybody that, he had already made his mind up that he was not going to come back at the end of his ban because he was going to fight his case through the courts away from Leeds United so it will not affect the club. He is now saying that when his ban ends, he will be back at the club like Ulysses. And if you remember Ulysses, he came back to uh, the island of Ithaca to find um, all the suitors who had been attempting to um, seduce his wife and he killed them all. So it's quite a big comeback. Mm. It's not the kind of thing where it's like, I'm coming back to Ithaca. I'm going not to, like Lee Chapman's second. I'm going to, yeah, sent off in, for, I suppose he did smash a West Ham player in the face. But it's not like just coming back to pursue a civil case with the, with the Football League. He is coming back to take goddamn charge. That's so what when, you said for now, though. Well, again, yeah, I mean, it could be anything else. Yeah, I mean, Palmer, I always love Palmer. <laughs> yeah. I have Palmer in my heart. <laughs> I never Ham. sell Leeds. I will buy Leeds again. I will buy you and sell you. And then I buy Palmer because I love Palmer. Well, that was during that um, period when he was trying to sign us, when he, he came to Leeds and he said to us, I forget uh, calorie calories yesterday or my heart is all in Leeds now. And then he went back here's to... A, here's a journalist from the Gazette de la Sport. Ah, I love calorie. <laughs> Thank goodness you know, nobody can speak both languages. No, Nobody ever take the place of calorie in my heart. 100% calorie. He was told as if he was going to keep running them. But yeah, it's... So now uh, some clarity about what what's his comeback actually is going to be and involve will be interesting. Maybe he is, really is going to uh, kill a lot of people. because it, uh, Purely in like as a tribute to uh, Greek mythology. Uh, as a metaphor. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, if we lose to Cardiff, that'll be three on the bounce. And then we face the slight difficult challenge of Norwich at home who haven't lost in the last six and they're going to basically win the league yeah. or, or finish fifth. Bradley, it would be nice for Bradley Johnson, Johnny Housen, Luciano Becchio to have championship winners' medals that they all deserve. Luciano Becchio having contributed... Well, he's been there, you know. He's been, he's, he's been there. Um, Bradley Johnson has scored 13 goals. How does that happen? 37 appearances, 13 goals. He's 27 years old. Some would say he's in his prime. And he has uh, demonstrated his prime by scoring 13 goals. Johnny Housen, who is a year younger, is 26. 27 appearances, 7 goals and 5 assists. They both appear to be doing very well now that they're mature footballers. Playing in a team that's going to walk the championship almost makes you think that if you had those two players when they were a bit younger at your club, you could now be in the position that Norwich Right, well, Ken Bates said, didn't he, you've got to keep your young players. You've got to, you've got to keep your young players. Bradley Johnson, he looks much older. Beard. I swear he was 37. <laughs> Had to let him go. Fit for the knackers yard. Johnny Housen, I remember him playing for Clapton Orient. 
in the 1940s. I felt very surprised that he was still haunting me for what I did to him when I did him out of a tanner over a fish supper in 1952. So his voice playing for Norwich <laughs> with their Spanish friend. Um, is it time for me to go to bed? <laughs> Help me do that. Oh dear. Last time out, it was all a bit different last time out. We, uh, we had Darko Milanic in charge and the unicorn played and we drew 1-1 one, one and they didn't look all that good and we didn't look all that bad. Um, well, apart from unless you were hoping for improved race relations in, in the world, that's the main problem. It's uh, when we went to Carrow Road, Belushki mm. didn't racially abuse anybody, as we've since relieved to find out. So again, if we get through the Cardiff game without double-crossing any of our own players, if we get through this game without anybody verbally abusing the opposition or mm. alleged to verbally abuse the opposition... Not, not proven. Do you think Cameron Jerome, who uh, has made 29 appearances for Norwich this season, scoring 18 goals, he's their top scorer... We'll get a, a good reception. Arouse, I think it'll be a rousing reception. Supportive of mm. his, yes, un- mm. understanding. Yeah, will you be wearing your Argentinia shirt? Argentinia? Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't own an Argentina shirt. So, well, it doesn't fit on my Luciano Becchio blow up doll. You're looking forward to seeing him because he might be playing on the bench? Well, yeah, he got on the bench recently, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, he, he was on the bench at the last game against. A 2-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday. So he nearly faced up against Tom Lees, only they didn't bring him on. Uh, They brought on somebody called Hooper, who I doubt is anywhere near the player. But it's good to see that he's he's still involved, alive, happy. It's it's an odd definition of involved, insofar as he's not. (laughs) He sat on the bench. (laughs) So not really involved. Well, you can understand why he's not getting into the side, because if you pull up the, uh, the internet fantasists... Who scored.com stats? They've got a lot of strengths and, and their, their weaknesses are few in number. I mean, well, a lot of these strengths, I think the problem, they would be doing very much better, Norwich, if they involved Luciano Becchio in this because they're good at counter attacks. And as we saw with goals, very strong. Millwall, Chelsea, Wolves. We've seen Luciano Becchio on the end of a Becchio well placed. He's perfect for a counter attacking side, creating chances through individual skill. They're already strong at that, so it doesn't matter that the very, very strong has perhaps got the um, the touch of a of Carlton Palmer defending at sent pieces again. They're very strong. Very they, strong in bold they, green. They would be even stronger if they had Luciano Becchio there because he was always useful defensively. That's one of the things people say about Steve Morrison is he's very useful defending set pieces. Becchio was also it useful was, at defending set pieces. Was very useful. Becchio scored goals well, as well. well we've we've seen Moscow execute him this evening. Uh, they create scoring chances. Who better to put them away than Luciano Becchio? They attack down the wings. Who better than to get on a cross? Um, they're good at attacking set pieces. He's good from set pieces. They're good at. They're only strong at finishing scoring chances. They could be very strong mm. if they played him. Their, their style is short passes and possession football. Absolutely made for Luciano Becchio. In um, what respect? Because their style is also aggressive, absolutely made for Luciano Becchio. You remember what a, you know, he used to love a body on fight. the line. Body on the line. He come on the pitch just ready to chin somebody. You could come see it rich, written in his face. In terms of weaknesses, um, how are we? How are we going to break through this this wall? This wall of canaries. Um, with a, with a the, Hoover <laughs> to suck them all up. 
<laughs> Tell me about their weaknesses. Uh, they haven't got any. Avoiding offside. Oh no! So they get caught offside. So that, that's one of Luciano's do specialities. Do you think that's why they wanted to sign Antonucci from us, just mm. to fit in with the pattern? Bounce We're already it. crap at avoiding offside. We may as well just go with it. Yeah, that is their one and only weakness. Oh dear. So if we, so I think if they're very bad at avoiding offside, what we should do is we should play uh, Bamba, Cooper, and Belushki in a high three and an offside trap. That Ooh. sounds. I like it'll work brilliantly. Yeah, I don't see any problems in that. I mean, we tried it against Wolves. Admittedly, we only had uh, ten men. Uh, no, not against Wolves. Against Blackburn. And you know, different, different day, different circumstances. Oh, and it's a Tuesday night, isn't it? Belushi yeah, in a free yeah. roll as he chooses to play every game. You're free to hurt anybody you like. Um, then finally, in this stretch, we've got Charlton away, haven't we? On uh, Saturday the 18th. Um, again they're 11th they're just in front of us three points ahead of us can't really make the playoffs another dead rubber are they hoping to qualify to Europe through Belgium if their results were transferred to the Belgian leagues would they be doing okay I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say yes right it's it's a plan certainly I don't know anything else about Charlton really well apparently according to this they've only got one strength and that's stealing the ball from the opposition like a nasty playground bully <laughs> And their style is to play with width, be non-aggressive and play in their own half, which does make them sound like the most timid, snide. They steal the ball and play with it in their own half. You're not having it. We're having it. You're right. Stole the ball. (laughs) 1932. For a soldier. Anyway. So yeah, these three games, uh, wrapping it up, Cardiff, Norwich and Charlton are you bothered anymore? Uh, I'll, I'll go I'll go and watch cheer, yeah. cheer on the mighty Leeds United seeing it out aren't we? see who's head coach perhaps Vern Troyer will come back again that might be nice that'll be a discussion might have the cheerleaders did some cheerleaders at game recently mm-hmm. uh, liven things up it's hard to I mean we're season ticket holders so we're going to go to these mm. it's very hard to imagine anyone who isn't Buying a ticket. Especially on match day, think, do you know what, I'll pay that extra fiver. It's strange because we had that with the Nottingham Forest game, even though there wasn't a lot at stake for that. Suddenly, an extra five to 10,000 people appeared on the gate just because... Man, was, it was momentum, wasn't it? Yeah, we were winning games. There was a positive atmosphere. People liked the manager. People liked his assistant. It was a big match against... The there were two, young players in the team. Two former European champions playing against each other. And... It seems like a, a good day out to a lot of people. Unfortunately, that game was absolute bollocks. <laughs> Since then, the club has imploded yet again. And it's turned into yet another clusterfuck that nobody wants to touch. The Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight. This is the fortnightly award that we hand to somebody who has most contributed to our ongoing state of perpetual misery as Leeds United fans, and Lord only knows it's a chore at times. No shortage of candidates this last couple of weeks, because it's all gone crazy again. Mm-hmm. Uh, first nominee, as is customary, Ken Bates, for... Um, is, you haven't won his competition lately, so... I'm not entered. I've been, I've been Still, once. I don't want to keep going. Even so. Someone tweeted me to, to thank me for... Uh, Recommending the competition because they won it. <laughs> Although someone else tweeted to say they owe them a pound because they didn't. The yin and the yin. Are you going to pay up? No. Right. Villain of the fortnight, Michael Normanton, for cheating fellow Leeds fans out of pounds. Basically encouraging gambling. Yeah. Mm. You killed a man. 
Yeah, you, you did just kill I Steve Morrison. I killed Steve Morrison. It's not a man. Oh, you did. Sorry. I let a man live, Luciano Becchio. Um, so Ken, possibly for his slightly right-wing views on the NHS thing. Possibly also perhaps for commenting on an election during a sensitive period of uh, political, when the broadcasters should be resisting uh, such controversy, unless they're being even-handed, which not to uh, say I have any doubt in Ken or Yorkshire Radio's ability to be even-handed, uh, but like fuck, they would have been even-handed. And of course, he said that Leeds should keep youngsters, you know. Yes, and for making up stories about Fabian Dalf. Right, who else do you want to um, nominate for this? Well, it was mentioned a minute ago, Steve Morrison. For just, mm. just for being... Just for dragging us all down. It's not easy to watch him, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> I don't like having a hate figure wearing a Leeds shirt when I'm, when I'm watching and supporting Leeds United. He doesn't like it any more than we do. You can tell. Yeah. He wants to be on the bench. He'd love to just... Yeah, I think, he, I think at, never mind bench I think he wants to be on an East Anglia beach which is ironic because that's where Becchio's spending most of his time he wants to be on an East Anglian beach taking off all his clothes just walking slowly <laughs> out into the water never to be seen again who else who else are we lumping in with this then Rudy Austin punched a man in the throat I support him on mm. that okay it probably didn't do us any favours really did it did it cause us misery or do we think yeah fair enough well I suppose misery it was. It came after the farce had already started. Minor by comparison. Well, do we want to, do we men, want to mention that the, the major players in that farce? Well, not not Massimo Cialino. Well, is it keeping a low profile? He's he not yeah. involved. He's banned, mm-hmm. and he's keeping his distance. And he said. He said today he had no idea why Salerno had res, uh, resigned. He's, he'll be as confused as we are, and probably as shocked and as dismayed mm. by recent events. Should we uh, nominate Nicolas Salerno for? Confusing Massimo Cellino, causing him unnecessary distress mm. by resigning and leaving him without sporting director. Possibly causing an argument about a man bag with mm. an assistant manager. That causing didn't it, happen. causing it by just using one. Is it the use of a man bag that you're objecting to? Yes. Steve Thompson. I'm nominated for his a disgusting language. And yet you, I only kicked a child in the face. If when. <laughs> If when uh, suspended, really. if the Blackburn player that Rudy Austin had punched in the throat had been carrying a man bag, would we have, would he be nominated now? No, he would not. Okay, that's good. Just so we know where the boundaries lie. So, Steve, are we nominating Steve Thompson then for not punching Nicholas Salerno in the throat despite yeah, just, his brandishing knife? He just, he just swore at him when he just should have taken him straight down. <laughs> if you're going to be suspended, it's over a fictional a man thing, bag, anything anyway. So, I mean, it doesn't. Uh, doesn't really okay. matter. Should we nominate Aristotle for um, his concept of fiction? <laughs> and Jesus the, Christ. It's do we want to take it back to that? Well, if Cholino can invoke Ulysses, I don't see why we can't go back to the, the four oh, unities right. of storytelling. There are Ulysses. I'm going to say Umbers. He's probably a little closer to the truth. I was just about to say, should we, should we just save time and just give this to, to Umbers? Well, yes. what's he yeah, done? Yeah. Now? That, I think we should. Yeah. I'm sure he's doing a good job for the club he loves, Barnsley. <laughs> he's not from Barnsley. I think he is. I think the family are from Barnsley. They were. They owned a brewery. Look it up. I don't know if he's being serious now. No, I am being serious. The Umbers of Barnsley. He's apparently yeah. He's, he's from beer, beer money in Barnsley. That's his past. Mm. Well, if we we don't but entirely I mean, know. Neil Redfern's from Barnsley. Maybe that's the source of the friction. He's not. He's from Ponte. Well, he's a Barnsley legend. Barnsley fans are massively upset by his uh, his involvement at Leeds, aren't they? Yeah. It's quite funny. His, the, he Basically, he should be there. So, for his continued employment at Leeds United, it should last all the all the longer just to annoy Barnsley fans even more. Are we giving it to Umbers? 
We might as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the hair situation. That on its own. I mean, it's not even a hair situation. I reckon it? that's the way we can get at him, you know, because he obviously takes a lot of pride in probably the wrong yeah. word, but it bothers he's, him. He's sensitive about it that. It bothers him. If you see Andrew Umber's big old slap on the ball patch. <laughs> if we all turn... Give the- it a good... Give it one of them. <laughs> if everybody who is follically challenged and goes to Elms Road anyway, such as your good self, if you just turn up with a lick of black paint, just <laughs> just along the same line. I did notice someone else, I, I can't, again, I can't remember who it was, someone else pointed out, it does look a bit like David Guest as well. It's that yes. same sort of non-human quality that he has. Sophie's non-human qualities. <laughs> Congratulations. Well done, Andrew Umbers. You take home the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. Hey, some people don't have any qualities so we've got a book to give away haven't we since uh, since we were here last time we said we'd do it in this one so if you want to win John Howe's book about that Ellen Road I thought you said John House and then no you, that, you that's still, a book I'd read you're still dreaming yeah John Howe's book about the history of Ellen probably Road probably not as good it's a very weighty thing looks marvellous on your coffee table it's currently on sale by the way signed copies of I think we've got about 20 24 of them left and that's it signed copies personalised copies have a, a butchers at the squareball.net and also enter this competition um, to win a copy and we will send it to you. Don't wait on winning the competition before you buy one though. Have two. Yeah. Because yeah. if you if you win, it's not like Ken Bates's box. There's probably likely to be some competition. So effectively, you're not going to win. So just buy one. So here here is the, here's the what you need to do. Our decision will be final and all that. All you got to do, send us an email to podcast at the squareball.net. Tell us a story about Ellen Road. Does it have to be a true story? Nope. Okay, interesting. Tell us a story. You see, I told you we should have nominated Aristotle. Way. I've already got a copy. It's a fine, fine book. I want to. Tell us a story about Ellen Road, whether it involves you, whether it's real life, fictional, and email it to us, podcast at squareball.net. We'll read some of them out. We will give the best one the book. Yeah, seems fair. On to other printed publications then, issue 9 of the fanzine, 9 out of 10 is on sale against Cardiff on Saturday. 10th mm-hmm. issue is going to go on sale for the final day against Rotherham, so if you're heading down, pick up your copies of those. It's you, can read, you can read it during the game as well, Yeah, yeah. nice. Gives something to do, doesn't it? Yeah, if the Cardiff or Norwich game aren't really grabbing your attention, good to have a backup plan. Or if you could just get a digital copy for a quid while you're buying John Howe's book. If you're already spending 20 quid on that, you may as well put another quid on top for a, a PDF. One pound fifty plus postage will send you a copy. That's pretty pretty good deal. And, it is, and issue nine is a fine thing. Um, we've, we've taken on board some more illustrators, mm-hmm. some fantastic drawings in this one, um, and loads of good articles. Quick rundown of what's in there. Um, Andy P has, in a special exclusive investigative report, has pinpointed the man who is really behind the demise of Leeds United over the last 15 years. It's a shocking read. I asked for... Um, the because when I sent the email out for contributions to this issue, things were going very well. So I said to everybody, you know, maybe we could be cheerful. In response, O Eddie Eddie sent me an article entitled "The Black Dog on My Shoulder," um, in which he claims that Messino Cellino has stolen his orgasms. And then Jailhouse John, who is one of our more who is one of our older contributors, he got his calculator out and uh, and did some maths with regards to the rest of his life and Leeds United FC. It depressed um, me, did that article. It made me laugh. It made me laugh like a drain. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Dave Hockaday contributes four at the back. There's uh, John Howe, who has his book out, could write a book about the clapping during March going together. But 
uh, keeps it for a casual party, but it could broadcast some stuff about Leeds fans LLP and some quotes. Peter Ridsdale's own words analysed an article from April 2003, just as relevant today uh, if you're interested in the things that football chairmen say as against what they do. Excellent. That's on sale on Saturday against Cardiff at Ellen Road. Look out for the cover. It's got Neil Redfern on it. A caricature of Mr. Neil Redfern. Very good indeed. And um, it's on sale now at thesquareball.net. And is that us all done for this time, I think? If you want to get in touch, don't forget podcast at thesquareball.net. That's our email address. That's where to send your entry for John Howe's book. Uh, You can tweet at the Square Ball. Find us on Facebook as well. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to speaking to you then. Bye from me. And Michael. Bye-bye. And Moscow. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you soon. Tomorrow. The Square Ball Podcast. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.